Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartney, founder of plantplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarshane. Now, you're in for a double treat this week because I've uploaded this podcast in addition to the one that you I normally upload because I was very excited. I went to Chelsea on Monday on press day and I took my very good friend with me, my business partner, Helen, who also a very good photographer. So she's taken loads of photographs of the garden with me. But we had a wonderful day and I thought I would do a podcast about Chelsea. Now, for those of you who listen to my podcasts regularly, and thank you very much, by the way, you'll know that whenever I go and talk about gardens or garden design, I'm always trying to provide that interface between what the horticultural world does and what the ordinary average non-gardener, the person like me who doesn't want to learn how to propagate and prick out and become this avid, dedicated gardener. You just want a good garden. So I always walk around these shows with that viewpoint in mind that if I knew nothing about plants and flowers and I looked at this garden, what are the things that I can learn and actually use in my garden? What are the trends? What are the styles? What are the colour themes? What are the things I should be doing? And how can I translate that? I'm not going to hit sit here and talk about and eulogise about the show gardens. I'm going to talk about the elements of the show gardens or things that I saw in the show that really we can take away and use easily and effectively in our own spaces. Well, I'll tell a little bit. I will eulogise about one show garden just simply because it was such a a mastery of the art of horticulture, I was blown away, which was the Biophilic Garden by Otsu Hanari. And it was just amazing. It's totally unsuitable for our climate, by the way. It's a temperate rainforest garden because it's covered with moss and moisture-loving retentive plants. But my goodness me, up close, it was incredible. I've put some pictures on the website, so you, if you go and have a look, plotplots.com, I'll put a post on about Chelsea and I'll, I'll put pictures on there because it was just exquisite. But this year, I thought the gardens were really interesting in a lot of different ways. Now, last year when I went, I remember listening to a discussion between Monty Don and Joe Swift when they were sitting on the balcony. And Monty said, you know, I'm sorry, but a landscape isn't a garden. Simply replicating a landscape from Devon or Dorset or somewhere in Yorkshire and putting it into a show garden isn't a garden. And I completely agree with that, because if you tried to do that in 
the natural urban environment that we live in, it would look really bizarre and it just wouldn't fit in. This year, the designers have learnt from that element last year and said, what parts of the landscapes can we bring into a garden that will fit well and sit well? This year's RHS show is far, far, far more about sustainability and making sure that everything that is used has as minimal an impact on the planet as possible. And that's great. And obviously, those are all the things that we need to be focusing on. So a lot of the materials that we used in the garden were upcycled and reused and repurposed. And one of the things that they were upcycling and reusing was a lot of hard landscaping. My argument is this. That's all very well and good. For example, the Samaritan's Listening Garden had these repurposed concrete slabs that were very organic in shape, but was sliced into sort of like log slices and set vertically in the garden. It was really effective. It, it looked really lovely. It's like the haute couture designer world of, of clothing. You see these catwalk models coming down wearing these dresses and you think that that's just totally impractical. Nobody can wear that. Well, the same is true of show gardens in some respect, that you can't translate that into your garden because there's upcycling and recycling of old materials that have cost 15, 20, 30,000 pounds to create. And then there's upcycling and reusing and repurposing of hard landscaping materials on a budget that the rest of us have to deal with. Until the general trade, the building trade, the horticultural garden centre and supermarket trade selling us products for, for that changes, it's always going to be a bit of a problem for us to find the hard landscaping at an affordable price. I would love to use some of the materials that they use in their gardens if I wanted to change mine, but the reality is that budgets are going to stop me. The garden that was the Horatio Garden Charity, uh, which was designed by Harris Bug Studios, well, it's designed for spinal injuries. They used a new pathway with this product, which was called Sem Free, it, which is a cement-free building material. Now, that's a brilliant idea. You know, we've got, we want to have hard landscaping pathways that don't use tarmac and cement. So this was a new material. They still hadn't given it a name yet, but it was like crushed pebbles set in a cement-free bonded slab. It was porous as well, which again aids with runoff and all the other things. So all of these things are pushing the boundaries forward. But it, in reality, we're not going to be able to use them in our garden easily. It's just not affordable but it's moving things in the right direction. If there was one trend, one element that you can take forward from the show gardens at Chelsea, it's this, that you can be more relaxed about the maintenance. You can be more relaxed about the mix of plants that you have. It's okay. 
It's okay to have plants that you haven't bought. It's okay to have plants that you haven't been given. And these are the plants that have migrated into your garden via bird droppings or animals walking through or the wind blowing seeds in. And I'm talking about our relationship with weeds or to give them another name, wildflowers. And this is what Chelsea has done this year. It has mixed and merged commercial flowers with wildflowers. Nature doesn't leave bare soil. Nature doesn't leave brown earth that's tilled and cultivated and left without a, a weed in it. It just doesn't do that. So it's a very unnatural construct to have in our gardens. For example, a rose garden that in between the rose plants, you just have bare soil that's, that's got manure on it. Now the roses perform beautifully, but it's an unnatural environment that we're creating. Soil is king. You get the soil healthy and everything else is good. Everything else will find a balance. Now, this is something I've been saying for a long time about refereeing a garden rather than gardening a garden. I referee my garden. I, I allow things in to, to land and grow, but it's only if they misbehave or they start swamping something else or they're taking over that I step in. Show gardens used to be about our mastery of the horticultural world. And now it's our harmony with or the natural world. It's okay to have weeds. Having said that, there are weeds and weeds, aren't there? Let's face it, there are some weeds we don't want to have. No matter what you say, how brilliant a plant it is for wildlife, I don't want brambles in my garden. So I will always remove those. But the rest of them are not such a problem. I've got bindweed, I've got ground elder, but it's only if it grows and goes where I don't want it to, I deal with it. Other than that, I'm fairly laissez-faire about it. I did have a giggle, I have to say, when I was walking past the Centrepoint garden, which was designed by Cleve West, because this was the garden that showcased homelessness and there was a sort of a sunken area with a remnants of a house with a hearth left in so that somebody in a tent could you know sleep there but you had bricks and you had trees fallen down it was it was a derelict landscape the beauty of it is that if you think it was created every brick was placed every fallen dead leaf was placed every weed seed was placed in between the nooks and crannies of the bricks and that's where the designers are brilliant you know it looks authentic which created in three weeks is a feat in itself but what he had painted on one of the side walls was his homage to topiary i.e the power pruning domes that you see he had this mural painted of power pruned domes that somebody's come out with a hedge trimmer and you know how they do it they go up one side and down the other side and you have a garden full of dalek shaped objects and that's not natural 
The second thing about Chelsea that I wanted to convey that you can take into your garden is about natural shapes. All of the plants were allowed to grow in their natural shape. The artificial pruning was very, very limited. It was restricted to multi-stem trees where lower branches are removed. So you, you see the framework of the, of the branches because it's, it's interesting to look at. The canopy of leaf foliage was held above so that you got light down to the ground. Some shrubs had that canopy at the bottom removed again to allow light down to the ground. But most of the plants were not cultivated into an odd shape. They were allowed to grow naturally, which is really low maintenance. It's much easier to maintain a shrub in its natural shape than it is to maintain a shrub in an artificial power pruned shape. Now, in terms of some of the other aspects, I went into one of the mental health gardens and you'll see it, there's some pictures on the website because you're going to look at them and go, what on earth is that pink stuff? Well, they had on the show garden, you could walk in and they had this hut, which was filled with buckets of the most amazing mushrooms and fungi. And they were all backlit with pink light and it was all sort of misty and, and what have you. But some of these fungi were unbelievable. And my friend was with me at the time and she said, she said, this is so good that we're celebrating fungi because fungi will actually save the world if we allow it to. It's this mycorrhizal fungi wood wide web, the network of fungal filaments that link your plants together so that they talk to each other. Plants actually do communicate with each other. We're learning that inside the floral tent you could put some headphones on and touch the leaf of a plant and hear the noise that the plant would make when you touched it. They make this very high-pitched ultrasound ticking so when they're stressed they click more. Maybe this is what scientists are thinking that it's a way that plants communicate with each other which is mind-blowing. Your trees in the garden actually have a conversation all of this that we do artificially is stressing them out. So again, this was really good that Chelsea is showcasing all of this stuff and it was far, far, far more front and centre and less alternative. It's no longer classed as alternative. This is mainstream and this is what we need to be doing. But one of the areas that Chelsea have been promoting in the last couple of years has been houseplants and houseplant growth. And amongst, I think it's the 18 to 35 year old generation, houseplants are buying houseplants by the million. And this is the generation that are very cross with us because we've cocked up the planet so far and they're going to have to deal with it. One of the things about buying all these houseplants is that the horticultural industry is very good at greenwashing. And this was another message that was coming out quite strongly about Chelsea, was the greenwashing. Houseplants are not native to the UK. 
some of the house plants that you can buy are not actually grown in the UK. Their carbon footprint to get them onto your bathroom shelf is quite high. A lot of house plants using peat as the compost base for them to grow well. They're using the plastic pots, they're being shipped over by the gazillion for us to buy. And it's something now that this millennial generation needs to wake up to that, yes, they're absolutely right, have houseplants. It's so good for so many different aspects of our society, but you need to be responsible about how you purchase them. I'll put a couple of links on the show notes, but there is a, a, a website called Jeb and Green and they were selling houseplants and they grow houseplants in the UK. There was another British grown houseplant company that you can reduce the air miles if you source houseplants that actually have been grown from seed in the UK. Jeb and Green use peat-free compost to grow their houseplants. They don't grow their houseplants in coir, Again, it's one of these greenwashing things. Yes, we use coir, not peat. Well, the coir has been farmed overseas. It's becoming a palm oil problem that everyone used palm oil because it was the green alternative, but that in itself is damaging the environment that it's grown in. So it's just about waking ourselves up to the whole circular lifespan of that plant. Where did it come from? Has it traveled a long way to get to me? Has it used, used unnecessary resources? There are plenty of companies that now are ethically sourcing and supplying plants, but they are a little bit more expensive. But that's the trade-off. That's what we just need to educate ourselves to. There was a, a new pot that I saw, and actually it was quite funny because when I was chatting to them, it turns out that their parents live literally about 200 yards from where I do, which is it makes you realise how small the world is. But it was a company who are making plant pots out of husk. So it's called madewithhusk.com. And the brilliant thing about these pots, things, and I know you can get bamboo pots, and there were, I think these, this company last year won um, one of the sort of the sustainable products, which was pots made from recycled ocean plastic, called Ocean Plastics, I think. And this company made with husk, the pots that you have here are fibrous. They're made with coffee fibers, they're made with coconut fibers, they're made with all sorts of different fibers. But the bonding and the resin that are used to create them means that when these pots not disintegrate, they, they last a good five years, same as bamboo pots before they start to lose a little of their structural integrity. Just like plastic pots lose their structural integrity through they, bio, they degrade from sunlight, these will begin to degrade. But the great thing about these pots was that when they've broken up, you can simply bury them in the ground because they're nitrogen rich and they will gradually break down if you smash them up a bit, put them in the soil and add as a fertilizer to the soil. So a really good idea. But I'll put that link on the show notes for you too. There were lots of really clever little 
touches and ideas. But the one thing that I suppose I still struggle with about going to flower shows, and it is ultimately what a flower show is all about, but now there is a paradox between what the RHS is trying to achieve with its show gardens and how we're demonstrating the environmental friendliness of gardening. And then you have flower show itself, which is all about the displaying of perfect specimens of plants. So in order to display that vase of lilies, how many lilies didn't make the grade? How much heat and light and resources and water and fertilizer and artificial pampering occurred to get that bloom looking perfect? And I know that's what a flower show does. You know, people display their vegetable growing skills, people display their plant growing skills. But that for me now is the dichotomy. It's the jarring element of the flower show that horticulture still needs to work out. What are perfect plants? Should we be displaying plants to show our mastery of horticulture in this way anymore? And I'm not sure that we should. Maybe there's a different way that we can do it. But on the whole, it was a really good day out. I'll put lots of pictures on the website. I'm going to upload a post over the next couple of days. One last little word of, not warning, but it's just education. I was on, I think, the Hampton Show Garden. It's a Mediterranean garden. It had a kitchen and they were making pasta and this in this beautiful sort of terraced area. And I was talking to one of the people on that stand and she said oh yes all of these plants are really drought tolerant so they will tolerate the hotter drier summers that we are going to have i thought well that's great but just remember we still don't have a mediterranean climate and in this country we are not ever going to have a mediterranean climate because we're not in the mediterranean climate change is about weather extremes Yes, the planet is warming, but that is going to give us more extreme weather. We are going to have stronger winds. We are going to have heavier rainfall. We might have heavier snowfall. We might have colder nights in the winter. We are just making weather more extreme. It's all very well saying, yes, I've got drought tolerant plants in my garden, but it's the wet, cold winters that will kill them. By all means, have drought-tolerant plants, but ensure that you have the drainage for those drought-tolerant plants for the winter time, which probably means having them in raised beds. So again, the RHS sometimes give you one really sensible message, but don't give you the whole piece of information. And if you just Think and educate yourself. You will create the garden that you love and it will work and it will be a garden that you can relax and enjoy, whatever it looks like. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. 
If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website. We've loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.